politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots to the Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house. You might not be a rapist. You may not, not have ever pointed a gun at a pregnant woman. You might not have beaten your child or your wife, but you still are a family man, even if the media doesn't consider you as such. Um, Folks, I'm looking and surveilling the land, the landscape here, and thinking, where will our salvation come from? You look at the attack on our liberties, our security, our institutions, our economy, and now our civilization where a court could redefine life, redefine citizenship, redefine marriage, and now, yes, redefine human sexuality. And we're told somehow that's the end all. Psalms 120. I shall raise my eyes to the mountains from where will my help come. My help is from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to falter. Your guardian will not slumber. Behold, the guardian of Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Question is, what is it God wants from us? Now, I'll tell you that no matter what, there's one area where there will be no salvation. You know, yesterday we have the most earth shattering Supreme Court opinion of our time. Really, it shouldn't be earth shattering because a court can't redefine sexuality, it could issue a judgment in a case. And if the other branches of government in the states and the feds, you know, interpret the statute properly, then they need to protect other people's liberties. And it shouldn't matter. But unfortunately, now that we've subscribed to judicial supremacism, it is extremely consequential. Yet Mitch McConnell didn't even mention this travesty in his press briefing yesterday. What about Trump? Maybe the salvation will come from him. He said, quote, they ruled and we live with their decision. It's a very powerful decision. Yeah, powerful indeed. You know, it's funny. This was the hallmark of the GOP. Sell us out legislatively. Then have the courts outsource everything to the courts as a super legislature. Campaign on merely selecting judges. And then when those judges sell us out, well, there's nothing we can do. That is the hallmark of the GOP. This is what Trump was supposed to stop. And now Trump joins in bigly. Where is he? Where is this man? Well, actually, he's going to Alabama to campaign for Tommy Tuberville. Maybe the Supreme Court will come out with this amnesty opinion by then so that he could rally on behalf of the Dreamers along with his friend, Amnesty Tommy Tuberville. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've I've stopped worrying about Trump. I mean, what what he's up to, what he's not up to, but that's where that's where it is. Politico, GOP backs Gorsuch's LGBTQ. Let's see if we got all that right. All the letters, and I don't know why those five letters of the alphabet are better than the others, but anyway, backs his LQ decision after conservative blowback. Basically, they quote red state senators, Deb Fisher from Nebraska. It's important that we recognize that all Americans have equal rights under the Constitution. I'm fine with it. Chuck Grassley, it's the law of the land. 
and it probably makes uniform what a lot of states have already done and probably negates Congress's necessity for acting. <laughs> there you go. Senate Majority Whip John Thune. It demonstrated Gorsuch's independence. The country's obviously changed a lot on this issue, and I assume that he's looked at the facts and the law, and that's the conclusion he came to. And that's why we nominated him and confirmed him. We wanted him to. Oh, and it would never be complete without Mitt Romney. The decision would have been reached by Congress rather than the court anyway. That's what he had to say. This is what people don't understand, folks. Okay? This is what they don't understand. This is not about some nerdy reading of a statute. They played the same game with Gorsuch back, if you remember, when he said the crime of violence statute, you know, deporting a legal criminal alien based on a crime of violence is, it's uh, it's ambiguously, it's unconstitu- unconstitutionally ambiguous, the statute. What's a crime of violence? This is the game Gorsuch plays. I don't know how to read it. I don't know. I don't watch a man, watch a woman, watch violence. I don't know. This is his shtick. I've warned about that before. But what I told people at the time with that case is that he, it wasn't statutory. He was creating a fundamental right because he was saying that they have to have, you have to have advanced notice of what's a a crime that you're going to be punished for. But the difference is that was a criminal alien case. Criminal aliens don't have to have advance notice because they don't have a right to be here. So whether you committed a crime or not, you don't have an affirmative right to remain in this country as an alien. So even if he would be right that it's unconstitutionally ambiguous, you can never invalidate a removal. Especially when the guy committed a crime in that case that was clearly violent. And judges don't strike down statutes. They apply cases individually. And in that individual case, he was violent. There was no like, oh, the the statute is struck down. There's no veto pen. But of course, Gorsuch, as I warned during his confirmation, is a judicial supremacist. And that's what he did. Same thing here. Oh, it's just like interpreting for, don't discriminate in employment law against people for for their their, uh, uh, preferences. But, But that means sex. Yeah, but what you're doing is you're creating a right now that any man who says he's a woman, for purposes of law, he needs to be treated like a man. And if not, that's that's a violation of discrimination law. What they don't understand is what that means is a man who says he wants to be a woman for sports has to be allowed in the sport. If a man says he's a woman for purposes of a female college dorm, he has to be placed in there. If he says he's a woman in terms of forcing a doctor to castrate him, the doctor has to castrate him. If he says he's a woman in terms of this case in Idaho where it was a man child molester who then wanted his balls to be cut off and the Ninth Circuit said the state had to cut his balls off, pay for the castration, and the Supreme Court let that stand and then he gets placed in a female prison. You can't go and redefine human sexuality and not have it destroy a civilization. It's not some like inside the weeds statutory reading. This is the ultimate case for which Abraham Lincoln said 
In his inaugural address in 1861, the policy of the government upon vital questions affecting the whole people is to be irrevocably fixed by decisions of the Supreme Court? The instant they are made in ordinary litigation between parties and personal actions? No way! Just like he said, you can't have a court say that, you know, freed slaves were chattel. So, that's where we are with that. Boy, is that a powerful decision. And again, what happens now that, that, that Gorsuch says that the word sex could mean whatever future generations say it is. So, just because there were only two sexes in 1964, it doesn't mean I'm a textualist. So, for all of time, if we create 10 sexes, well, you gotta read the statute. I mean, that's the Amelia Bedelia crap that all these phony conservatives play around with because they, they, they really agree with it. So again, what are they going to do when very shortly you have a P and an N get added? Pedophilia and nudity. No, really, what happens if someone... So you'll just laugh and say, well, that's not a thing. Well, transgenderism wasn't a thing either then. That's the point. And... Gorsuch dismissed those arguments as, as um, basically uh, complaints about undesirable policy consequences. You just don't like the policy. Quan. Okay, so I want to know. Let's lay down the marker right now. What about the policy consequences of nudity? That will become a thing. Pedophilia, the New York Times has already promoted that it's not their fault. It's a sexual orientation. So that will be included. Let's say someone comes in and says, look, I mean, my sexual orientation is to express myself freely and be proud of my body, not to hide it. We are very close to that point. So if someone comes into work one day, buck naked, you can't fire them. This is the thing. It started out with gay, and then there was the L, the G, the B, and the T, and then they added this Q, whatever that is, and then if you actually look, they have an IAPK, intersex, asexual, pansexual, and kink. And broadly, they refer to it as LGBTQ+. So exactly. So I, I want to know, I mean, what is included? He has, an, he has an obligation to say what is included in that decision now. I need to know. Hey, Gorsuch, you're all into this advanced notice. We have to have advanced notice of when we're going to be in violation of a law. So, so I need to know. You're saying the Civil Rights Act, Title VII, makes it that we're in violation if we fire someone for a sexual uh, preference. So I want to know which things, which alphabet letters are included. I, I need to know that. I, I need advanced due process, right? But really, folks, this is the fraud. You see, notice how whenever we have a movement, once every five years, that actually united in cause, pushes back against the left, pushes a counter-narrative, we win. You know the only time that happened? Kavanaugh, Supreme Court nominations. And the sick irony is, the only time this phony movement will bleed for a cause is to put fake people on a bench, fake conservatives, to further fuel the premise of judicial supremacism. Now, what do we what do we do here? What do we do? I've said this over and over. 
But because of the lockdowns and everything and the rioting, we've gotten a much bigger audience. And we haven't talked about judicial supremacy in a number of months. Folks, I've said this all the time. Judicial review is not proof to judicial supremacism. It's a repudiation of judicial supremacism. The concept of a court being able for its purposes, in its specific case, being able to render a judgment irrespective of the views on that matter of the other branches of government, okay, otherwise known as judicial review, like, hey, you know, the other branches interpret statute of the Constitution like this, but, you know, a case is coming for us, and I think the answer is like this, you know, I'm going to put it aside. I think you're violating the Constitution. The same reason they could do that is the same reason why the, the, the legislature and the executive branch, whether at a federal or even state level, they have an obligation to interpret the Constitution statute as they see fit. And if they see the courts violating individual rights by creating BS rights that then will intersect with other rights, They have an obligation to push back. That's what Hamilton meant in Federalist 78 when he said the courts have neither force nor will. That wasn't a a bug. It was a feature. That they weren't given the police power to enforce their ruling. That's separation of powers. So in other words, I say this all the time. There's a difference between when the courts are putting a negative on a positive of another branch of government to protect what they believe is a right that of an individual where government is taking a punitive action against them. And then there's a case where they're demanding that the executive branch affirmatively use its powers to take action against the private citizen based on their concoction of BS rights. So in other words, let me explain the two sides. One case is, you know, typical is like a criminal conviction. Death penalty is the most irrevocable case where, you know, we want to convict someone. The executive branch enforces the law against them. But you need the judicial branch to land a conviction. So the judicial branch could say, I don't believe he should be convicted. I think, you know, there's something improper here. You didn't follow the law. It's unconstitutional. Now, even if the court is wrong, that is the province of judicial power. That is valid exercising of, of judicial power. Okay? So I'm not going to tell an executive branch to go and kill the guy, execute him in contravention to a court's decision that gave that individual a reprieve. But what if a court says, you have a right to a marriage license. You have a right to, uh, you're, you're an illegal alien and you have a right to DACA, a visa. Well, that's not negative. That's not the government imprisoning or executing the guy. It's the guy is suing to get government to give him something positive. I want this. I want that. Or even worse, when it involves a third person. So there's government, there's the executive branch, there's the judicial branch, and there's a the citizen. Well, what about if there's another citizen? And one citizen is demanding the executive branch punitively punish another citizen on his behalf of a BS right to throw a citizen into prison, take away his unalienable rights, his life, liberty, and property in order to service your feelings. Well, that's the exact opposite. So in this case, 
courts rule a man is a woman. For purposes of a discrimination law, a man is a woman. Any, any man who says he's a woman, you have to treat him like a woman. Well, other branches of government get a vote in that. Okay? Here's how that plays out. You have a, um, a college dorm, let's say, or a college athletic program that, I don't know, they have, they have a female um, you know, running team, track and field. And a man comes in and says, despite the thing between my legs, you know, I'm, I'm a woman. And they're like, get out of here. I mean, this is for women. You can't do that. So he takes them to court. So what is the court doing by applying Bostock? That's the case from yesterday, Bostock v. Clayton County. What are they, what are they saying by applying that as precedent? The next district court that would apply that. Well, they would say, well, the court says what? What, what is that plaintiff asking for? To be left alone for a negative action? No, he wants a positive. I want admission. Well, what if they, what if the, that that's where the other branches come into play, where the state and federal government, DOJ at a federal level and whatever state it is, the governor says, I will not enforce it. I mean, no, I will not go and arrest the head of the athletic team. I will not arrest a business owner. I will not arrest a, a you know principal or superintendent of a Catholic private school for not hiring a crossdresser. And they put that out there. Make that very clear. So yeah, you could sue all you want. But if they're not going to allow you in, I will not punish them. And that will embolden private citizens to push back. That's how you ensure that a bad unconstitutional ruling that violates natural law doesn't become the law of the land, as Chuck Grassley says. It's not the law of the land. A court is not the law of the land on things that affect the whole of the people. They can't determine issues like that. And, and, and stop playing these Amelia Bedelia games with me. Oh, well, no, Daniel, he's just reading the law. He's not throwing out a law. He's not going the constitutional route. That's tantamount to going the constitutional route. Give me a break. If you even need to sit and engage in debate over the 1964 statute, well, it could mean transgenderism, then, then you're beyond help. But that's what this uh, thumb-sucking movement is all about. That's where we are. The president, just everything that comes out of his mouth. In addition, yesterday, he was, he was like, you know, through the Atlanta cops, under the bus, he said, yeah, I watched that video, it was horrible. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Resign! If you can't provide... A bold contrast. Get the hell out of the Oval Office. Orwellian. He says, oh, I'm going to be the law and order president. Uh, we're still, and every three hours he tweets out the words law and order. Is he possessed or something? What is wrong with the guy? We've never had law and order under him. This is now his fourth effort to push jailbreak. Federal policing standards now. Notice all these libertarians are like, Daniel, we can't have federal gang legislation. Even though gangs are federal, they're cross state lines. 
Local DAs can't deal with them. They don't have the resources. It's the biggest threat to our country. No, I'm for stretch, stretch. Oh, so now, now we're going to have federal standards and guides and regulations for police. It's funny. Somehow these uh, libertarians don't seem to be concerned about that. Very interesting. Just like these libertarians aren't concerned about free markets and labor laws when it comes to telling private businesses who they must hire and fire. And again, like I've said all the time, those of you who are in business know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, they, they, they make this seem like, you know, it's like a guy burning a cross in his office, like, oh, I hate black people, I'm gonna fight. And, and like, Daniel, do you think they should be able to do that? And it's like, that's not how it plays out. What usually winds up happening is there's lousy workers and there's good workers. There's lousy workers and good workers of all backgrounds and races and creeds, right? What, what these things do is they make it impossible to fire anyone who is not white because they automatically assert discrimination. My father dealt with that. I, everyone deals with that. My father once had this with this... Um, there was this guy who happened to be Indian... Uh, who worked at his company and he he managed him and he was just hor- he was horrible and they they fired him and lo and behold he accused my father of of being anti-indian and and the funny thing is it was actually a running joke in the work that my father was the india man because he always traveled there and that he loved the indians so he always sided with the india company that they worked with you know they were his buddies when they would come to america he'd show them around um so, you know, so they call in this guy from Idaho to come in and and he to investigate it and waste everyone's time. And then the guy, rather than investigating it, just tells my father how much he can't stand Mormons in, in Idaho. This was the guy who was investigating discrimination. I mean, the whole thing is just so stupid. But the media, the, the Republicans are like, yeah, I don't want anyone to discriminate. N- no, you idiot. That's not how the world works when you. Um, have a bludgeon, um, a meat cleaver of an anti-discrimination law and the way it is used in our frivolous, our culture of frivolous lawsuits. You literally cannot function that way. And then, yes, and, you know, even, even from a matter of straight up firing someone for that, there are times where it, it matters. If you have a religious institution, you have the right to say, look, I mean, God bless you, but... If we're teaching our children certain ethos, we're not going to bring in a homosexual activist. We're certainly not going to bring in a cross-dresser. And for the decorum of our work, we can't have a six-foot broad guy come in with lipstick. You know, it's just, it's just you can't do that. Any sane person understands that. Not every case is like, hey, you know, a guy is a good worker. There's not enough, no, no apparent disruption. And you find on Facebook, you don't like, um, you know, that he's says he's homosexual or whatever. That's not what most of these cases are. Mind you that if there's plenty of firing people for holding conservative views, but that's that's certainly OK. So that's where we are. This Republican Party is a fraud. Where do we move? Tell me, which county and which state? There's not a single red county in this country. There's less crazy counties. But is there a single county 
that pushes our agenda as much as the blue counties push the Marxist agenda. Let's find a place and I'll move there. I'm all for it. But you know what? You know what's funny? If we ever did that, suddenly the boot of the federal government that never clamps down on the anarchy somehow would clamp down on us. What we're doing is not working, as I said yesterday. And if you are still on this Republican Party business, dude, you are really, really uninformed. If you think for a minute they'll help you. Now, I know I went over this yesterday, but I want to go over the Atlanta shooting again. The media is making this guy Rayshard Brooks out to be God's gift to the world. And, and what's so Orwellian about the media, it's not that they get things wrong and they lie, but they are so perfidious that whatever they say, it's 180 degrees the opposite. So watch out. If you see like this, a guy is a family man. It's the opposite. So in this case, everything, family man, hard worker. They interviewed this, um, ABC News interviewed the company in Ohio, Toledo, Ohio, where he worked, okay? And you're going to love this. And the guy was like, he's a hard worker. He's the nicest guy. He moved there to be with his father, you know, away from his kids, of course. Yeah, away from his kids in Georgia. He just, yeah, he just left them. And, you know, he just happened to, last December, he, he just left for a little bit to get his ducks in a row in Georgia. Do you know what those ducks in a row were? He was extradited. <laughs> the media never mentioned that. Why was he extradited? Because he violated his parole and there was a warrant for his arrest in December 2018, a year earlier, which is why, according to his manager, it was the spring 2019 when he went to Toledo, Ohio, because he was fleeing justice. And then justice caught up with him and Ohio officials cooperated and an Ohio judge delivered him to Georgia on January 5th of this year. Guess what? Do you know what the underlying charges were? Among other things, domestic battery and cruelty to a child, which was one of his children. Have you ever heard anything that Orwellian in your life? Google Rayshard Brooks Family Man. Go, go right now and Google that. I'm going to have an article out today. I, I just, I, I know I spoke about this yesterday, but I wanted to make sure 100% I had the right person. There wasn't someone else who happened to have the same name, looked the same, same age, because I just didn't have it confirmed who he was with his criminal record. There is no media source outside of just some random blogs. And God bless any one of you for doing that work, but there's no main media source that is even reporting any of this. And it's not a matter of a character um, witness, which in the court of public opinion is important because you can't make someone out to be God if the, and a family man if they beat their kids. But it's more than that. This sheds light on what happened. That's why the guy ran. This is what cops deal with all the time because these so-called low-level offenses are committed by high-level guys that are let out on parole instead of being locked up in jail. And again and again and again, they get let out and they don't get put back. Even after violating the parole a million times, for whatever reason, it might have been because of COVID jailbreak, he didn't wind up serving. There's actually a video of Rayshard going on someone's show, like this like random YouTube show, very few listeners, 
about criminal justice reform. He's actually pushing it. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm on parole. If I screw up, well, I'm back in jail. He said that May 24th, just days before this happened. That's why he ran. Here's the truth about him. Okay? Here's the truth about him. So December 30th, 2019, Lucas County, Ohio, was given a warrant issued by authorities in Georgia that he violated his probation. The fugitive arrest warrant was issued December 20th, 2018, the prior year. The underlying charges included obstruction, obstructing the officer, which again, obstructing an officer, that's his history, family battery violence, possessing weapons during a crime, receiving stolen property, felony cruelty to children, interfering with custody, false imprisonment, snatching his children without permission from the mother, and battery. So I don't know what exactly happened there with his ex or whatever, but there was something violent. And then earlier on when he was like 17, 18, 19, 20, he had drug and um, theft charges, maybe some other things too. And that's what it was. He he was given a seven-year sentence that was one year in prison, six years parole, served just four months in 2014. See, this is the real story. He belonged behind bars. That's the real story here. He belonged behind bars. Then he would have been alive. But this is everything. But Republicans are out with a piece of legislation today. Police reforms. All this money to train police and monitor police. Mitch McConnell says his goal is to vote on this before July 4th. Yeah, in honor of July 4th. Real nice. Why is there never an impetus to deal with people like Brooks? To deal with that guy, I'm sure you've seen the video and this happens every day. Every single day you never hear about it. But the New York Post had the video. This punk knock out a 92-year-old woman just randomly. You, it, it's, it, you just see it. She's walking, punches her in the face. She came literally three inches from hitting a, from the back of her head hitting a fire hydrant. Could have been fatal at that age, easily. Okay? So police have vowed, you know, public information requests. Have, do you know who this guy is? I'm sure he's a gang member. I'm sure he has priors. And I'm sure, guess what? When he's arrested, it'll be second degree at best, probably third degree assault. He'll be let out immediately. The trial won't be for years. He'll rack up other things until then, never serve a day. Where is the impetus? Where is the alacrity? Where is the rush to push federal legislation on this? If we're going to federalize everything, then at least federalize criminal reform. At least make it half and half. If you're going to give the left what they want on policing, at least get tougher on criminals. Because again, that is the antecedent to this. Focusing on policing and not the crime is like focusing on the band-aid and not the laceration. Focusing on the medicine. You might not like the medicine. You might want to find a better medicine. But how about 
Stop immolating yourself. Stop self-immolating. Do you understand that police shootings have plummeted commensurately with the drop in crime? And now you're hearing more because there's more crime. Because you have all these people like Brooks that are out. That have gotten so much grace. Years worth of proceedings. Violating probation. Doesn't get put back in. And after a while to them, it's, it's, it's a joke. There's no deterrent. By the way, another statistic I wanted to share with you. Right, America is crawling with cops, right? Everyone compares us to Europe. Well, actually, compared to European countries per capita, the U.S. has one-third fewer police officers than the average of Europe. Okay? One-third fewer than the average of Europe. It's a complete lie. This guy is um, Alex Tabarak. Marginal Revolution is the name of his website. Overpoliced and overprisoned revisited. And he has some good data there. And he notes that um, Europe actually has so many more police officers per capita. So this whole thing is a big lie. This whole thing is a big lie. More more police on the streets creates less crime. But that also assumes that we're deterring and locking up the bad guys. You you leave them on the streets, police are going to have altercations with them. Cuz guess what? Private citizens call 911 and they're called down. They don't have an agenda. You think this cop in Atlanta wanted to be dealing with that at night? He gets called down. Someone's blocking the way. He's like, hey, why are you blocking the way? Are you tired? Go go sleep in the in, in that part of the parking lot. And then he realizes he's drunk and he's been driving drunk. Well, that's that's a crime. I mean, driving drunk is a big deal. You, you got to enforce the law. You didn't do anything wrong. He was nice to him. He, he, he talked him through it. Very professional. It's all caught on video. And he just very resolutely says, put your hands behind your back. And he violently fought with them. Takes his taser. Runs away and then turns around and fires it. I just want you to understand. You get hit by a taser. As a cop, it's that much easier for the guy to come over and take your gun. But this guy was a career criminal. So Brooks and Floyd are now family men in this Orwellian country. Then again, it's just the criminal version of transgenderism. Right is wrong. Victim is criminal. Criminal is victim. Man is woman. Woman is man. This is the sort of country we're living in now. Yesterday, the NYPD was forced to abolish its uh, undercover cops. You cannot imagine how much crime they solve. 
their plainclothes anti-crime union. You cannot imagine what's going to happen there. Truly sad. My hometown, Baltimore, the city council just voted to uh, abolish the mounted police. My only hope is that this comes to the suburbs. If people can't see the light, I want them to feel the pain. See, what the Republican Party has been good at is taking just the edge off the left that they actually succeed even more because the left doesn't self-immolate. See, on their own, if left to their own devices, the left is so crazy, the American people would revolt against them. Republicans take the edge off and also serve as a false flag, controlled opposition that deflects the blame. So then they're able to be, they serve nothing as being more than just being the media punching bag. And remember, take all these principles and Trump just serves as that times 10. Trump has taken everything that's wrong with the Republican Party and he's done that bigly. Worst border crisis ever. Interior enforcement way down under compared to Obama's first term or second term. The debt. Obama looks like a conservative compared to this. Welfare, dependency. You know, it's so bad now. My my parents told me, I don't know if you have this in your state, but um, anyone over 60 in my county, they get free food, a package just delivered to their house. That's from all that federal funding. This is the country we live in now. Trump's been president for three and a half years. Trifecta control for the first two, still has two out of three. Republicans control half the state governments. It's not like we see those states are much, much better. Because the Republican Party is a fraud through and through. And it may be in an alternative universe. Trump could have been, been that out of the box guy people wanted. But he became nothing more than Jeb Bush with more love from the GOP base. So therefore, that enabled him to get away with more things without the base revolting and without the phonies and conservative media holding him accountable. This is what he's doing. Pushing um, pushing amnesty with Tommy Tuberville. Jeff Sessions is the only one who will ever fought for us in immigration and crime. I mean, this is when suddenly Trump finds religion. He has nothing to say with the lockdowns, signed all the legislation that sealed our fate with that. The rioting. He keeps threatening, keeps writing about law and order, doesn't do anything, dumps on the Atlanta cops, Says the courts are very powerful. Man. Just, just just go back to Jeb Bush. It, it's getting really hard to defend this guy. I'm just telling you. Really, really hard. And then you have the lockdowns. The media is pushing for lockdowns with this ultimate lie of cases going up. 
If you haven't heard it yet, listen to Friday's show. So today is episode 670. That would be 668. I go through all the lies. It's about five different lies, distortions, obfuscations. But basically what we know is, based on the serology tests, even at the peak of the virus when so many people were dying, we were only finding through the testing anywhere from one-tenth to one-eightieth of the universe of people who actually had it. And then now we know that the serology test is only a fraction of the people that had it because a lot of people who have it don't produce antibodies because the T-cells were them off. So it's even more than that. So the more we ramp up testing and make it a national obsession and test bomb things, the more you are always going to be able to discover what was already there. In other words, even if the trajectory is down. In other words, let's say rather than it being 80 times more, it's, it's, it's only 40 times more now. Let's say it's on the down, but the numbers will go up because it's still way more than we were testing and even are still testing that have it. But guess what? The deaths, we had a record low deaths yesterday since the epidemic started in March. That proves our point. It's like, actually, the fact that there's still a lot of cases and no deaths proves our point. That this was broadly asymptomatic and not deadly. It was only to certain people needed to be shielded. And unfortunately, thanks to government's panic in the nursing homes, by dumping people from hospitals there, they already pretty much wiped out the vulnerable population. The virus, what it appears is that it cut through the vulnerable population. I don't have time to go through every state, but I mean, I'll give you a few in Virginia, for example. They basically had a batch of negative tests they didn't report. They only reported the positive. So the denominator shrunk. Somehow the mistake is always in one direction. It's kind of interesting. But anyway, um, in Alabama, the Alabama Department of Public Health, they resolved a delay. They had a delay in test results. So they had a backlog of reporting. As a result of it, the dashboard displayed a sizable increase in numbers. But the reason, this is straight up from the uh, press release of the Alabama Department of Health, quote, the reason is that there has been a lag time in adding some reports. The whole thing's a joke. How do you show a trend line when you have all these factors playing in, into it? So there's a lot of that going on too. Honestly, I've missed a lot of that news. I've been off of it. There's been a lot of good studies out on on just the virus itself, the epidemiology. I just, look, I'm drinking out of a fire hose between the rioting, the crime, the courts. It's going to be a real doozy the next couple of weeks. But that's that's kind of where we are. That's where we are here. Crazy, crazy times we live in. But folks, I just want to come back to the courts with just one interesting thing. I have an article I want you to Google from the beginning of this presidency, February 9th, 2017. Google my name and 15 questions that will confirm whether Gorsuch is an originalist. And basically, what I note is it's amazing. I start off saying, thus far, the little we know of Gorsuch seems solid. Now, by the way, I could just tell you when I wrote that, it was only because... 
I didn't have any tangible proof he was bad, but I knew he was, and people would bite my head off, so I kind of had that throwaway line. But then I wrote, however, given that the legal right has become much more libertarian than social conservative, we only hear about the administrative state, criminal justice issues, campaign finance, and guns. They tend to be more concerned with using judicial supremacy to strike down big government laws and actions from the left than preventing the courts from destroying our constitution, values, borders, marriage, life, and civilization. And then I list 15 questions that will vet him out. Do you know what number 11 was? When Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and Title IX of the Education Amendments Act of 1972 prohibit discrimination based on sex, does that include what is now referred to as gender identity and sexual orientation, or does it mean sex as was understood when the law was passed? (laughs) This is going to be a big issue early in Gorsuch's time on the bench. Multiple federal circuits have already weighed in on the issue declaring that what was meant as sex decades ago can now be interpreted to force transgender policies on the American people without consent to settled law. Go through each one of those 15 questions, and you will see that Republicans asked none of them. And by the way, I gave some of those questions upon request to um, before I published it to certain senators, and I could tell you they were not asked of him. These are bedrock questions. You'll see these are not like, I mean, these are basic things that will vet out, are you a Clarence Thomas or not? On fundamental issues of our time. No, they don't care. And look, I've said this again. My preferred solution is not to have a super legislature. My preferred solution is to do the opposite, is to delegitimize the power of the courts to decide political issues affecting the whole of the people. So I don't really care about what you believe. Because the other branches should just do what's proper. But if you are going to say that courts are a super legislature, then you better believe I want to know where he is on the issues. But then again, where are Republican elected officials on those issues? They agree with the left. This is what we see. It's not even just gay marriage. It's on transgenderism. There's zero difference between the all-left and prominent, prominent, every one of these guys, Grassley, Thune, Fisher, Romney, all of them, McConnell's the same way. It's like when you have a Supreme Court decision that the left disagrees with, every single one puts out a press release. And they, they demand legislation. Republicans are silent. But guess what? There will be one time where Republicans will claw like hell to get legislation passed to fix a Supreme Court decision. If, and this is a big if, the Supreme Court rules that DACA, the Obama amnesty, is illegal, they will pull an all-nighter that very night in the Senate to get an amnesty passed. Watch it. Mark my words. Folks, till tomorrow, thank you for listening, and God bless. (laughs) 